This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. CanDo is navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Fraser Nelson and Rob Colville of the Centre for Policy Studies. Now, the figures are out today and they show that the migration, net migration uh, was just over 600,000 or so. This is less than was expected. Rob, tell us why this is the case. Well, it's partly because the Office for National Statistics has decided, very helpfully for people like me, to completely change the basis on which it, um, not completely, but to, to substantially change the basis on which it carries out its migration forecast. So it's not only um, adjusted the basis for this year, it's gone back over the last the last five years. So, I mean, I can go into lots of boring technical detail on this, but, but essentially what it's saying is that net migration was larger earlier than we thought. Like so, so June twenty one to twenty two has now been upgraded from five hundred thousand to six hundred thousand. But but then the the sort of so so there's been a longer a longer flatter peak as it were. But but the message basically boils. Yeah, this is still a very very high level by any historic standards. Even if you strip out Ukraine, even if you strip out Afghanistan, Hong Kong. Um, you know, with these there are there is a and it's been driven primarily by a very large rise in the number of um, non EU migrants, both for work and for study. Fraser, you've gone through the data on this. What are the main stories you've found? Well, the number of immigrants, 1.2 million, is just a huge figure. I mean, it's just amazing thinking when we're having the Brexit debate a few years ago that we would be using these Brexit tools not to curtail immigration, but to double it, to treble it. The other funny thing is how much of a surprise this is. We seem to have accidentally digested um, 1.2 million people with hardly any social tension at all. We had local elections a few weeks ago. Where were the anti-immigrant parties? Uh, where are the protests? Where are the European-style um, um, angst that we see dominating so much of the, the headlines? Why is Britain the only country in Europe not to have an anti-immigrant populist party? We seem to have somehow combined mass immigration on a level which the economy needs um, with very little political blowback. Um, and this is what's strange here. I think that the numbers are um, are obviously huge, and when um, uh, when the Centre for Policy Studies came up with their um, report recently, I think um, saying seven hundred to eight hundred thousand, people were shocked at the number. But the funny thing is that on a local level, you'll struggle really to find much backlash against immigrant communities in any particular cities. And perhaps that's because we're talking a different cohort now. To get a visa now, you need to be above average salary. We're, we're talking pretty much middle class migrants. We're not talking people who are likely to um, come in with low skills and put pressure on um, low cost housing areas that are already hard pushed for GP places, well, for I, school places. So, so to, to push back on a, a few things, I think uh, first on, on, on work visas, um, a lot of people would say that the salary threshold um, under the new point system is is lower than it, sh- it should be. If you said to people there is a, a salary threshold for a skilled migrant visa, they would probably think it was in the sort of 50, 60, 70k, not tw- not around 25,000k, which you know is, is pretty much in the range of the average salary. Um, there's also uh, the issue with um, the, with, with with students, where um, you know we've seen this massive proliferation of one year courses, which come with a two, a two year 
uh, permission to work and a, and a real proliferation in people bringing their dependents with them. It's quite clear that quite a lot of these courses seem to be sort of ways to get people into the country to work rather than primarily educational in purpose. Now, as you said, Fraser, there is, you know, these people are doing different things. So one of the things quite a lot of these people on lower salaries are doing is working in the care sector. They're a huge, you know, and keeping the NHS alive. Likewise, in the in universities, you know, their costs have gone up according to inflation. They haven't been able to charge more for tuition fees. So international students are a, a pretty good source of revenue. But I don't quite agree that, that it's been sort of politically completely harmless. If you look, I, I think we have, you're right, we haven't seen the sort of tension and the stress over this we saw in, a, in the 1990s with, um, uh, with the rise of UKIP. But if you look at housing, which is my sort of bait noir, um, you know, the, the leading explanation people give for why we have a housing crisis in this country is too much immigration. And the leading prescription they give for how we can solve it is not in, is, is cutting immigration. And, you know, it is already nightmarish enough trying to get people to build on green fields in the home counties where there is a huge, huge need for housing, irrespective of immigration. If you have immigration running at this kind of level, that makes this even more politically toxic. Right. Um, now, Rob, you, you're right that people complain about immigration. I and mean, the joke is about Britain is that we don't like immigration, but we love immigrants. Um, and the point there is that the complaints about immigration don't seem to have materialised anywhere, anywhere, when it comes to political pressure on the Conservatives. And there, there is Richard Tice's party, that's the closest thing there is to UKIP nowadays, and I think they, um, they, they lost 495 out of 500 candidates that they fielded in the local elections. Uh, so we're seeing the Labour Party saying it would cut immigration, but that's not exactly political pressure. So if you're Rishi Sunak, you're sitting here thinking, OK, the immigrants solve a lot of problems. Um, it will, first of all, we grow the economy. Um, because if you were to cut immigration, the OBR would score you down, and that would threaten one of well, the Well, the OBR models, models it at 250,000 immigration, so I think we've cut that migration. So we could cut that migration by a long way before we hit the OBR guardrails. Right, but the, the, point, the point there being that if you wanted to get migration down to 100,000 or something, that was seen to be the pro-Brexit thing, that would come as an economic cost that Sunak simply isn't willing to pay. And then take the students. Right now, the average fee is £9,000 a year. It's been that for the last 13 years. Inflation will have really knocked the teeth out of, the, um, of that money. But right now, we're subsidised because we let in lots of foreign students to who pay vastly more than £9,000 a year. So it helpful. It subsidises the students. Um, now, when it comes to the care home workers, of one we were on the point of selling them, they had to pay more money. Kate Forbes in the Scottish Parliament um, was due to make a £15 an hour minimum salary for uh, care home workers had she won. I'd love to have seen that happen, but the care homes have gone for the easy solution of taking in the immigrants. So immigrants are solving so many political problems. They're um, building up the NHS, as you say. Um, they're, they're in, so when you're looking around the cabinet table, who other than Suella Braverman wants lower immigration? It's pretty much just her. But, but, this, is, but, but this, is not a, this is not a new phenomenon. If you, I remember talking to David Cameron, who was complaining that, uh, that he and Theresa May were the only people who wanted to cut net, net migration around the cabinet table. Classically speaking, institutionally speaking, it is basically the prime minister and the home secretary who want to cut this. And every other department who has really good reasons because of pressure from their stakeholders, especially, as you say, the Treasury, uh, to, um, to let it rip. 
So we therefore got the situation where mass immigration is politically convenient for the Conservatives. They like to pretend it's not. They like to say they're going to get it down. But when you look at the problems it solves, that is more of a win for Rishi Sunak than going through the hard, economically damaging route of cutting migration. He could do that tomorrow. He's got the powers. He could tighten the criteria for the visas. That's the whole point of Brexit, bringing back control. He could use that control, but he isn't going to because this suits him. So I think we should say what's actually happening here, that we're getting this St. Augustine approach to net immigration. Let's reduce it, oh Lord, but not yet. Surely this is the story as well, Robert, of you know, the past 30 years or so in British politics, uh, which is that most governments get elected with manifesto pro- pledges to uh, cut migration, including, of course, 2019 manifesto, famously, which you had a hand in as well. Um, and actually, it's very difficult in reality to implement that. Why is that so? Well, well, so this is why I do disagree with Fraser. I think there will be pressure, political pressure on the government to reduce it because these highs are so quantitatively unlike anything we've, we've seen before. The, the charts for, for study visas, um, are, you know, they, they're kind of hockey stick uh, levels at, at this point. So, and I think you know the government has been saying it wants to reduce it. There has been pressure on it um, to reduce it, but but I don't think it's going to slash it massively back. I think it need you know, it's reasserting that feeling of control is important. But um, I think we you know we became wedded to. I mean, this isn't this is this is actually a relatively new phenomenon. This this did start in the nineties, um, and in particular in ninety seven, and in particular with the decision to to open up to to Eastern European immigration. But we basically did get hooked on hooked on the model. Um, it 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 worked for so many different groups in our society it worked for the you know it provided it provided cheap labor it made up for the skills deficiencies of of, of uk laborers um and then once people arrive here there's a you know they t- people tend to bring their bring their families over i mean what's um you know what's startling about this this new phenomenon is that it is genuinely a switch a transition though towards a new you know, new, new levels i mean india is now well i as of, I haven't I haven't checked the latest stats, but as of the most recent ones, India was now providing the high, largest number of visitors, work visas, and study visas to the UK. That might be because all the Europeans have decided they don't want to come over because of Brexit. But I think it does speak to a to a to a bigger a bigger transformation. Um, you know, it's countries like India and Nigeria which are which are driving quite a lot of this. Although, although as Rosie says, it's high skilled people from those countries. Interestingly, the Conservatives see this as a benign demographic trend. That the, um, recently, when Labour was talking about giving EU nationals the vote in Europe, I remember speaking to a couple of Tories saying, that that's OK, we're going to give the Indians and Nigerians the vote, and that will counter it out. So the Conservatives are looking forward, I think, to you know, a, a trend where, a post-Brexit trend, it used to be Poles, Czechs and Bulgarians dominating. Now it's Indians, Nigerians, Australians, Americans, a different face, a different cohort. But I, I just think it's, um, I, I've just sat through too many of these Tory crocodile tears over mass migration numbers. It doesn't, it, I, I've just stopped believing it anymore. I mean, I don't know, Rob, but unless I'm missing something, Rishi Sunak could get up tomorrow morning and tighten, massively tighten the visa criteria if he wanted to do anything about this. But he's not doing a single thing. The only thing that they're doing is um, cutting down on the, the students with dependents. And even that would only kick in in the academic year in um, starting October. So I don't think, if the Conservatives were serious, they would change something. As far as I can work out, they're not going to change a single thing. So I'm not entirely sure we should believe them when they say that they intend to do something about this. Well, I do think they will do do more than they, they have announced uh, uh, so far. You're right that the, the existing announcements haven't won't, won't move the needle much, especially in the, in the immediate term. I do think they want to do more on this. In fact, um, I, will, I, mean, I, I will happily bet you uh, say 
ten pounds or uh, or even twenty pounds. Let's be let's be crazy. That there, that there will be there will, will be more action on this because I I do think you are. I, I I completely agree with your sort of overall economic point that we have become a high high migration society and that we uh, and that we are kind of we're kind of stuck that way and it, and it suits quite a lot of people for us to be so. I do think they that numbers at this level are a slightly different thing and they will want to you know we're looking at you know a. The the only thing which is saving the, us in the net migration figures is the fact that emigration is high as well. That you know, people, the, the quite 20% a lot of percent up on last year. Yeah, and, that, and quite a lot of that is students leaving after their after their courses. But we are still talking about you know, you know, 0.5 percent to one percent of the uh, equivalent of the population you know, arriving every year. That's like two towns the size of Newcastle on the latest figures. Uh, you know, these are pretty big numbers, and I do think there will be pressure to bring them down. Fraser, you going to take that bet? Um, oh, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, I should. Um, I'm always um, accusing the office of having a schizophrenic approach to immigration because I am obviously. Um, uh, I believe that Britain is the greatest melting pot in Europe. I think we're. I'm very proud to live in a country where we're so successful at integrating um, so many people. I love the fact that the, the word British does not contain an ethnic implication in the way that the Swedes, you can hear them talking about anybody with dark skin as not being Swedish. And we're not, we don't even intend it in a racist way, that's just how they see the country. We live in a very globally minded country, and I'm proud to do that. However, I do think that mass immigration is taking all of our attention away from the um, calamity of welfare dysfunction, the fact that we've got 5 million people on low uh, on out-of-work benefits, and I take the care homes. I think they're the real kind of um, um, totemic case study here. For a long time, we were telling them that they were going to have to increase their salaries. But in fact, they're actually paying less relative to the average salary than they were even in the days now of um, EU mass migration. And that's because they've basically won their tug of war with the government. And, and not, so not coincidentally, that, um, sorry, Fraser, but not coincidentally, uh, care home productivity has is now 20% below where it was in 1997, which basically, yeah. like, we, we basically wouldn't have had to put up national insurance if if, so, if the social care sector had, had maintain, maintained productivity, which is partly about the skills of the workforce, partly about salaries, partly about the, the, the estate of the care homes, but it's a pretty damning statistic. All right. So there are two options, basically. Either you grow the economy by trying to do something about getting people off sickness benefit and into work. Under Cameron, by the way, it was off unemployment benefit and into work. Now it's off sickness benefit. But that's very difficult to do. So the Conservatives aren't really doing that. Instead, they're reaching for the easy button of mass immigration, knowing that these um, immigrants will be coming into a pretty warm welcome from an economy which has got um, more than a million vacancies and has got the best record in Europe, if not the world, at um, creating a pretty harmonious home for workers of the world. That's the great thing. Britain is now the country where workers of the world unite. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Rob. I, I just want to say, I think it's really good that Fraser managed to bring this back to welfare and I managed to bring it back to house building, both of us living our absolutely cliched policy obsessive lives. Everyone's happy. So thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Rob. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots. Immigrants, we get the job done. I'm not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Till the world turns upside down. Till the world turns upside down. I imagine death so much it feels more like a memory. This is where it gets me. On my feet, the enemy ahead of me. 